Stress, mood, focus, sleep, energy, short-term memory. Most of us have issues with some or all of these, and dysregulated brain waves may be the cause. Our guest today is here to help you optimize your brain power utilizing neuromodulation modalities, including brain mapping, neurofeedback, neurostimulation, and photobiomodulation. This is the story of Neuroflex with Toby Passman. Toby, great to have you on. Jasper, that was a really epic intro, man. I've, I've heard a lot of intros. That one was really, really good. So Listen, I like to think that my intros are off the cuff and and I'm like improvising the whole thing, but I read most of these and prepare these beforehand. So uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, but honestly, the brain is so damn important. And I feel like most of the times we either overlook it in some ways, meaning we pay attention to our bodies. We go to the gym to work out our muscles all the time and our brain really doesn't really matter that much as far as working it out. Or we just normalize this sense of brain fog, fatigue, missing words, anxiety, depression. Um, and, and it's a real shame. And, and, you know, I like to start off always hearing the story of, of kind of how you got into what you do and how you're impacted by brain issues in the past. And now you're looking to optimize your brain and your clients brains and everyone's brain so can you give us a little bit of like kind of what you went through with your struggles and what led you to today for sure, for sure. so really going back to high school or even before that really as long as i can remember i always dealt with a lot of like social anxiety awkwardness around people you know talking to another guy in my class was difficult let alone the cute girl you know who i wanted to talk to so I always just, you know, I excelled academically. School was, was, it was easy for me in a sense, but like I would be nervous for having to talk to other people in the class when I had the, the class versus taking actual tests. I knew I was going to do well on that, but like actually interacting with people was what my challenge was. So because of those issues, it was like always something that I was trying to, you know, work on understanding and solving. So I think naturally that led me to, you know, start reading the Bulletproof blog. This was back, I think like my junior year of high school, David started writing it, I think maybe somewhere 2013, 2014. And this whole idea that, you know, we could actually modify how our brain and body functions with the food that we put into it, with the supplements that we take, you know, that was a really revolutionary idea, at least for me at the time, but people were biohacking way before that. But for me, that was my introduction into that space, you know, drinking the the butter coffee and, yeah. you know, doing all that. So, you know, I started noticing definitely, you know, with implementing some of those different things that my brain, you know, did actually change in the way I, I functioned, a level of mental clarity, focused, you know, I still was struggling a lot with the, with the social anxiety. Um, and I really got to a point, uh, where in college, I had a mold exposure. I didn't know what at the time was going on, but I got really sick my freshman year. I started having several nosebleeds a day. My hair was falling out. I couldn't focus or concentrate in any of my classes. And I actually started having panic attacks that, that were really bad. So that all led me to having to actually like withdraw from college for a couple terms. And I really did a deep dive into, you know, what was going on, really understanding I think like once I moved out of the dorms and saw how I felt like 75% better after spending that whole year going to different doctors and trying to figure out what was you know, driving my symptoms, 
and then realizing that it was something environmental, you know, really just uh, ingrained in me the understanding that, you know, so much of how our brain functions and how we operate is the result of all of these biological processes that when they're going well, you know, we, we just feel good. We feel happy. We don't really think about our brains too much, but when things go awry and you can't find the, the, the word that you're trying to say, you can't, you don't feel comfortable in social interaction. You start having panic attacks that, that all kind of led me to really doing a deep dive on really understanding what was going on on a neurological level that was kind of driving my symptoms to occur. So the mold was definitely a piece of it, but the social anxiety was something I always struggled with. You know, that was there long before that. So really, you know, reading some, some different pop psychology and neuroscience books led me to start working at a research lab in college um, where we are actually doing EEG recordings and measuring, you know, the brain waves, uh, which to me was super fascinating, but we weren't really doing anything with, we weren't taking action on that data. You know, we were just measuring people. Uh, we weren't actually doing any sort of intervention to improve and optimize people's brain waves. But at the time outside of the lab, I was getting into playing around with neurofeedback, you know, a tool where you hook electrodes up to your head and record, and it actually gives feedback on how your brain is functioning on an electrophysiological level. So you can actually improve and rewire your brain. And doing the neurofeedback, I actually noticed great improvements in my own social anxiety in my ability to just feel calm, present, talking with other people rather than that feeling of, um, you know, that everyone was always judging me. I was, I always got latched onto that obsession of how I was coming across to other people versus just being present and trying to learn and connect with, with another person. So for me, neurofeedback was, was a big, uh, a big tool that I found really made a big impact. I don't think it was the only thing. I think psychedelics, particularly MDMA, was another thing that really made a huge dent into my social anxiety. But, you know, that's kind of like what I learned and then what I've started in, uh, incorporating with clients where I'm not just doing neurofeedback or just telling people to take nootropics. It's kind of a, you know, holistic brain optimization program that I take people through because I think all of these different things, tools, you know, in our brain health toolkit, but when we uh, stack these different things together, it really amplifies the, the results people get. So that's kind of a bit about my, you know, introduction into this space, why I personally, you know, cared and, and how, you know, really I, as, as going through and seeing how it personally impacted me, I was also then starting to work with people in the fields of addiction and mental health and neurology and seeing people both with similar issues as to what I was dealing with along with very different issues, but all the same, uh, you know, we're really benefiting going through their own transformations with this stuff. And I just thought, how is it that, you know, traditional psychiatry doesn't utilize any of these tools, you know, say famous psychiatrist and neuroscientist, Dr. Daniel Lehman, he talks about how psychiatry is the only medical profession that doesn't actually examine the organ in which they're treating. Mm -hmm. So I, I really like latched onto that and figured like, okay, this, we can actually quantify what's going on in our brain. We can take action with the tools like neurofeedback or nutrition or tropics, all these different tools to actually improve our brains. But no one in the mental health space is really talking about it. So that's kind of 
where I really saw the the niche that I tried, you know, I'm really trying to build. Yeah, it's always interesting how personal experience, especially with health issues, leads you to ask certain questions and also start to find the solutions. Because you yourself have to find those for, for your own sanity, health, all these things, longevity. And then you start to realize how sometimes flawed our systems are, especially in healthcare and others. I, I've seen that myself. Before we get into Neuroflex and all these tools that you utilize to optimize the brain, which is such an important organ system of our body. Can you discuss some of the main challenges for the brain or, or main things that impact it in a negative way that we're seeing today? I know it's never just one thing, but you know, what, what are the types of things you're looking for with clients to say, we got to watch out for this? Right. So I think, you know, thinking about it on a, you know, kind of evaluating the brain on a metabolic level. I've been really interested because that's really what, you know, we're, we're able to see as far as the electrical activity of the brain. You know, we're able to see different patterns showing, you know, underactivity, hypometabolism in the brain, um, and also patterns of overactivity. Um, so, you know, really looking at different brainwave signatures and seeing how some people really get locked into states of fight or flight at chronic stress. And obviously the big culprit that everyone's talking about. Uh, past head injuries is another big one that uh, people, even if they might not say, when I initially asked if they had a past concussion, but we can see clear evidence with a brain scan that there was, you know, an impact. Uh, so that's, that's a common thing that I see in people's brain scans that I think plays a big role into how their brains are functioning, you know, up to this day. You know, a lot of people I work with told me that, you know, they experienced like their memory is just not quite as good as it was, or, you know, they feel like the anxiety or depression they're experiencing started, you know, sometime kind of after a head injury that they usually went to a neurologist for, and they were told, you know, oh, you just go home, sleep it off. Like you're not, you know, there, there wasn't really any explicit treatment given, you know, and I found that untreated head injuries is a big culprit of people's current mental health or brain performance issues. And then just, you know, as far as like in well, see what I experienced with mold, I, I would think mold is something that's now being talked about a lot more. I think people were experiencing all these issues that they didn't know what was really at the root cause. And, you know, now a, a lot more people are talking about mold and a lot of clients I've worked with, you know, have some kind of mold exposure and that's playing some kind of role in the symptoms they're experiencing. Then I would say also just, you know, as far as things that we're putting into our body that we probably shouldn't in terms of, you know, alcohol, sugar, everyone's talking about seed oils now, right? So all of these things, I think, play a factor into kind of creating this neural inflammation that we're not able to really see, right? Because, you know, for me, if, if I eat certain foods, you know, if I eat, uh, if I drink a, a glass of cow's milk, I'm going to usually break out in acne and I'm able to see that clear feedback that my body is getting into an inflammatory state. Whereas for so many people, when, you know, the brain is getting inflamed, but we can't really see that. We feel sluggish. We forget words. We feel that brain fog, but we can't necessarily see it. So I think that, you know, a lot of people taking in certain things that we kind of view as, as fine or people don't necessarily think that they have as big of an impact on the brain as they do. 
until they cut them out and then feel so much better eliminating gluten or dairy or sugar or alcohol. So I think those are some of the big culprits. Yeah. And those culprits lead us to rely on things like caffeine and stimulants to keep us awake, to, to stimulate the brain because it's not functioning properly. But then we have to use sleeping pills at night and that doesn't give us into a regenerative state where our brain is really, really kind of recouping overnight lymphatic system working, all of these things. So it's a vicious cycle, I say, you know, what's going on today with our brains. And it's really unfortunate because if you look at what we most use today in our non-industrial type of age, information age, it's brain power, it's focus, it's cognition. And so if you don't have it, you're, you're at a huge hindrance just in, you know, everyday life. So now that we know a little bit of like, yeah, there's a lot of things that can impact the brain. Let's go into some of the tools you neuroflex and, and, you know, you utilize starting with this assessment, you know, QEEG is a really interesting thing. I know we've utilized it at our center at times, but can you go into how this brain mapping is kind of the, the assessment of the brain and how we could utilize it to empower ourselves to create more healthy functioning brains? For sure. For sure. I think, you know, being able to actually image the brain and understand areas of the brain that might be dysregulated um, really empowers people to understand that the issues they're experiencing aren't moral uh, failings or they're just not trying hard enough, right? If we see that they're telling, you know, they're saying they, they struggle with focus, they can't concentrate on a single thought, and we see that the frontal lobes are really underactive on our brain scan, and it makes clear sense as to why they're experiencing the symptoms they are. So they say that, you know, QEG or brain mapping isn't a diagnostic tool in and of itself. It can certainly aid in a diagnosis. I think it can help, help kind of put pieces of the puzzle together in terms of understanding why someone's experiencing the issues that they are. But maybe more importantly, also being able to localize what specific brain areas are generating those problems. You know, there's different subtypes for different conditions. And so two people that are both coming into the office and telling me that they're depressed and they can't get out of bed for one person, it could be issues with the temporal lobes for someone else. It could be issues seen in the parietal lobes. And based on that, that's how the training, such as the neurofeedback, we're going to be able to really target the areas of the brain that we see the most dysfunction at in order to really create a personalized plan to help each person. You think a cookie cutter approach where you're just giving the brain a certain protocol, it's going to help some people. It's going to make no change for other people. And for other people, it's going to actually make them worse. It's kind of the idea of taking supplements, I think, where some, you know, people, some people like maybe you, you find a supplement on Amazon and that you read the Amazon reviews and someone has like this amazing, this, this changed my life, whatever. And my thought is I was like, Okay. Well, if they're writing about like vitamin B12 or something, they probably had a big B12 deficiency yeah. and now they're just up and, you know, they're, they're just giving the, their body what it was starving for. Whereas someone else with adequate levels of B12 probably isn't going to feel too much. And someone that already has is taking lots of different vitamins may already have excessive levels of B12. So I think like, you know, understanding what it is in your brain that's generating your symptoms with the brain map along with some cognitive performance testing we do and really help put together a roadmap for how someone is going to best be able to 
you know, recuperate their brain performance. So I like the brain map as a tool, you know, for, for establishing a baseline, but then also a tracking tool so that it doesn't even matter if you're doing, you know, you could be doing a feedback or another form of neurotechnology, but you could also be working with a nutritionist, optimizing your hormones, you know, whatever, any sort of intervention that's impacting the brain, brain mapping is a tool to be able to actually track those changes. So you can actually see if your brain is moving in the right direction. So I think, you know, being able to have that evidence of, you know, like people feeling subjectively better is obviously really important. But when people pair that with the subjective evidence that the brain actually is changing in a positive direction, I think that really improves compliance and really encourages people that this neuroplasticity that everyone's talking about, that this is actually a real thing that they're able to experience and able to actually change their brain in tangible ways that we can measure. Yeah. And the subjectivity of a person to person can be very nuanced and sometimes you can miss it, you know, especially since it's a, a small daily improvement, you know, even a percent a day over time is a, a, an amazing improvement over time. But if you're just looking on day to day, you're saying, I'm not seeing that much improvement. Whereas something like QEG Bremet can actually show, well, we are seeing great improvement, actually. You know, think about, you know, three weeks ago, you were completely missing words and you had to, like, and now you're here. Yes, it may not seem like it from day to day, but over the course of long stream with the QEG there, people, people can substantiate that and go beyond looking for huge differences and see the nuances over time are actually a wonderful thing. Now, if we go beyond this mapping, this sort of assessment tool that helps, you know, kind of see what's going on, we start to get into the tools that actually can help regulate that, help, you know, optimize the brain. One of those is neurofeedback. Can you go into your application of neurofeedback on clients to optimize the brain? Absolutely. So neurofeedback, I think of as a tool where it's basically holding a mirror up to the brain and showing it how it's doing. So first, we got to just kind of establish that the brain is operating both on a chemical as well as electrical level. So everyone talks more about the neurotransmitters, dopamine, serotonin, so on and so forth. Uh, but in terms of measuring what's actually going on in the brain, it's a lot easier and less invasive to measure the electrical activity, which you know is what we're doing with the brain map. But neurofeedback is a way to actually provide people feedback and encourage the brain to change in certain ways. So for instance, if someone is struggling with their focus, if they have ADHD, oftentimes we'll see clinical biomarker of ADHD called the theta to beta ratio. Basically, when someone has three times the amount of theta, which is a slower, more drowsy, or inattentive brainwave compared to the ratio of beta waves, beta is more focus and alertness. So when someone has way more theta compared to those beta waves, that is clinical biomarker of ADHD, according to the FDA. So say we see that in someone's frontal lobes, it's a pretty common finding. Then we can actually help teach their brain to reduce the levels of those drowsy and underactive theta waves and actually improve their production of faster beta brain waves that are going to improve their focus. So in how does that actually work? Someone is basically playing a video game or they could be watching Netflix or some other media and they're basically getting auditory and visual feedback on when their brain is in the desired healthy state in which the screen will turn clear, the audio will get louder, 
they're playing a video game, a character will run faster. And then when they get out of that healthy state, when their brain deviates from that, uh, we'll see the screen get dark, the audio gets quiet. So this is a way to provide the brain real-time feedback on how it's doing within 100 milliseconds. So quicker than our conscious mind can even process information. So I think about it really on a very deep level, kind of rewiring the brain, the biological basis of how the brain is functioning. And as we kind of started talking about how dysregulated brain waves can produce all of these symptoms. So neurofeedback is a tool that can actually help regulate and improve our brainwave activity, which then, you know, is what's driving all of these different aspects of our cognition. So when people talk about, you know, well, what are the benefits of neurofeedback? It can really vary quite a lot depending on the specific protocol in terms of what area of the brain we're working. Are we trying to help the brain get into a, a more calm, a slowed down state? Are we trying to help it speed up, get into a faster, more alert state? There's really a lot of different applications of neurofeedback. It started mostly with kids with ADHD in the 1970s, but has since, you know, the applications have moved from, you know, things like anxiety, depression, epilepsy, traumatic brain injuries, and also peak performance. So a lot of athletes are starting to utilize or have been utilizing neurofeedback, maybe haven't talked about it, um, you know, maybe keeping it as kind of a performance secret, but there's a lot of pro athletes I know that are, are utilizing neurofeedback. The Real Madrid and AC Milan, the, the soccer teams actually have neurofeedback centers. So there's so many different applications. Um, it's not just, you know, something that, that treats a specific condition. It's really helping the brain understand how it's doing and enable the brain to perform and rewire itself for healthier functioning. And this is something that it doesn't take place all in one session, which I think is much to the dismay of people who are used to, say, popping a pill of Adderall and feeling super focused and motivated right. and stimulated. But what neurofeedback is really doing is, you know, improving both the cognitive performance, but also creating positive long-term changes in brain functionality, which is unlike, you know, a stimulant medication like Adderall, you might get short-term improvements, but long-term detriment to your brain health. So I think that that classification of a nootropic, I like the when people talk about that a nootropic to meet the classification, it must enhance short-term brain performance, but also be neuroprotective. So I, I like to think of that, you know, similar with uh, neurofeedback where, you know, it's improving the brain's function, but also really not, not doing it at the expense of our long-term brain health. Yeah, I always find it so surprising when doctors and just the medical community as a whole just go directly to things like Ritalin and Adderall for children. When you have tools like this, they're absolutely impactful, do not have the side effects, are looking at really long-term changes to the brain and helping it adapt properly and, and not utilizing something of a drug that is a a powerful stimulant. I mean, it's like, you know, one step off of crystal meth, basically you're talking about with these methamphetamines, which they are, that we're giving to children. And it's it's just a wild kind of thing when we have these tools. Now, another tool that I know about and practice with myself is brain photobiomodulation, transcranial photobiomodulation using light, right? And frequency to help stimulate the brain. Can you talk a little bit about that and your usage of photobiomodulation with clients? 
For sure. So I think, you know, photobiomodulation, a lot of people are familiar with those red light panels, you know, that people use for their skin, for collagen production, for muscle recovery. But what people oftentimes don't know is that they can actually use red and infrared light specifically to optimize uh, the mitochondrial function within the brain. So basically the infrared is being absorbed by the mitochondria, driving more blood flow and oxygen, reducing neural inflammation, promoting neurogenesis and synaptogenesis. So basically the growth and creation of new neurons, new connections amongst those cells. Um, and then you're getting all the frequency specific effects of the light. So depending on how many times per second you're pulsing the light, for instance, you know, if you're pulsing the light 10 times per second, well, alpha is a brainwave frequency ranging from eight to 12 cycles per second. So the brain can actually then entrain into that alpha brainwave frequency, which is associated with relaxation, um, through entrainment of the light. Now you can also do, say, a more stimulatory uh, say like a 40 hertz gamma rhythm that's been shown to break up uh, the amyloid plaques and, and Alzheimer's disease and, and have a lot of benefits in terms of traumatic brain injuries. So there's the uh, benefits of red and infrared independent of the frequency. And then there's also the frequency specific effects. But I think it's, it's interesting. It's funny that, uh, the, uh, a guy that Dr. Marvin Berman, he talks about is a, uh, founder of Veronic and the Quiet Mind Foundation. They've done a lot of research in looking into benefits of brain photobiomodulation. And after he always finishes his lectures, he jokes that, or he, he says that, you know, so is a middle-aged guy in the audience who, who, you know, the first question is like, does this help with hair loss? And, <laughs> and I've like, heard that a lot too, my man. It's right? like the vanity uh, things first, brain right, <laughs> right. But it's like, it just illustrates kind of the point, you know, I think that we were talking about earlier where people are so obsessed with, you know, their, their body and how they look, you know, and then in terms of their brain that can sometimes go on the back burner. Um, but I think there's some amazing benefits of, of brain photobiomodulation and also a lot of different ways to do it in terms of, you know, there's more clinical grade helmets. Yep. Uh, so there's like what Marvin, uh, Dr. Marvin Berman utilizes with, with Neuronic. Um, what's really cool about those helmets, you have the new helmet where it's like a four quadrant helmet where you could actually choose different frequencies in different areas or try to speed up, you know, the frontal lobes and quiet down the occipital lobes. You are able to do that with this four quadrant device. And then there's also more consumer devices like, uh, you know, intranasal probes. It looks pretty bizarre, but sometimes I'll, I'll utilize them like driving or on the plane, right? Yeah. These, these probes. You light like, up the nostril, the V light and other ones, right? That's yeah. just, yeah, get in yeah. there and tap into the brain that way. <laughs> exactly. I'll just get some, some odd looks and people be wondering oh, yeah. what that is, but, but yeah, it's all good. It's a conversation starter, right? Conversate, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Other biohackers can can see you and, and relate to that. So, uh, yeah, so I think there's a lot of different applications, but in general, kind of comparing and contrasting versus neurofeedback, you know, neurofeedback kind of regulating, improving the electrical signaling of the brain, which also has, you know, it's nothing's just in isolation when it comes to the brain, like the neurotransmitters work in tandem with the brain waves. So, by improving the brainwave activity are also impacting neurotransmitter levels in the brain indirectly. Uh, but with the light, it's more so improving the brain, you know, improving uh, neuronal health on a cellular level 
in terms of really driving that increased blood flow and oxygen so the brain has enough cellular energy to then make the changes with neurofeedback. So I think they stack together really nicely because neurofeedback is a very energy demanding process. You're Mm -hmm. asking the brain to make these changes in its electrical signaling. And if it doesn't have enough raw energy, um, you know, it can struggle to do that. So I really like utilizing the brain photobiomodulation prior to doing neurofeedback anecdotally um, amongst a lot of clinicians. It's worked really well. And now there's actually starting to be uh, papers coming out showing the, the efficacy of you know, the synergy of those two technologies. Yeah, no, there, there are beautiful synergies between that and many other types of therapies, right? And of course, personalization is a big part of that. But like you said, there's more and more research on this. This isn't something new. You know, transcranial photobiomodulation has been around for decades and studied for a long time. And they're seeing these these effects on things like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, dementia, stroke, you know, um, depression, anxiety. It's it's really something powerful. This is no longer just, oh, it's just going to maybe help you think a little clearer. Like, no, no, this this is doing a lot biochemically within the brain to improve it without side effects, without drug usage. You know, it's light frequency, which is really, really cool and often overlooked. Now, if we go a, a step you know, further into other synergies and stacks, of course, I got to ask you about nootropics and this idea of supplementation, all these different things you could take. I know I'm, I'm, you know, we're sort of in this field of things with the NAD we do and Nativeem and everything. It is a very condensed marketplace. A lot of different people out there saying different things and it's the methylation blue and this and that. There's so much you could do. If you're just a general person, you're not going yet and getting the personalization from you and others. What are the things you, you kind of tend to recommend as far as nootropics and improving brain health when it comes to supplementation? So, you know, my, my take on nootropics, you know, is, is really like when I see proprietary blends, I'm always very skeptical in terms of the levels of each of the ingredients. If you're not getting the clinically relevant dosages and you're probably not going to see improvements. So I'm always, you know, when it comes to evaluating different nootropics, I always want to see that they put in, you know, a clinical dosage of a specific ingredient that's actually been shown to get whatever the benefit is. I really like, you know, like qualia, how you can actually look on Neurohacker and see, you know, each of the ingredients, read about them. There's links to the clinical studies. Um, I think that, you know, for, for different people, you know, there's people that need more kind of stimulatory effects, you know, people that are coming off of Adderall or other stimulants you know, can really benefit a lot from neurofeedback, but oftentimes in conjunction with more, you know, dopaminergic uh, nootropics, I really like acetyl-L-carnitine, uh, you, could, you know, L-tyrosine, uh, a dopamine precursor. Uh, so there's, there's different ones. I think, you know, people can play around with what works with their brain chemistry. I think it's helpful to think about it in terms of the different neurotransmitters, you know, and if, uh, you know, if you play around with different precursors to serotonin and you notice, you know, taking 5-HTP or tryptophan really improves your mood versus, you know, playing around with, you know, dopamine, dopaminergic precursors, but if that has more of an effect, then you can kind of understand your own brain chemistry and what you're going to respond best to. And I think the, the notion, I know Andrew Huberman talks about this where like, the, he doesn't like the, the notion of nootropics, uh, like the, the word nootropic where it's like, 
people think about it just like making us super smart, you know, and it's like, you know, nootropics can enhance different aspects of cognitive function, but it really comes down to like, what are you trying to enhance? Are you trying to enhance your ability to get into a relaxed state? If so, you know, maybe looking into more GABAergic nootropics, things like Kava, I really like. So it's, I think, really dependent on each person's brain chemistry. Um, I do really like methylene blue. I'm curious. I don't know. If, I, I, I've heard, I've been hearing different things as far as the debate, uh, as far as some, some people being into it, some people not. I think it seems to have pretty cool effects on the mitochondria. It's one of the nootropics that I take it actually feel right away. I can definitely feel the impact. And then also stacking that with the brain photobiomodulation that we mentioned before, it's a, some really cool synergistic effects in terms of the light being able to kind of activate the methylene blue within our system. So I've found that stack to be really helpful just in my own kind of nootropic journey. But I really recommend for different people to experiment with you know, precursors to, to the different neurotransmitters. You can also do more, you know, acetylcholine ones. Uh, but really just measuring to see kind of what gives you an effect and then being able to sort of uh, tailor your nootropic um, regimen to what's going to give you a benefit rather than just, you know, trying out or, or you know, utilizing specific formulas. Um, you know, I, I think people can can get varying, varying uh, degrees of benefit, but I think really just understanding your brain chemistry by understanding what is impacting the neurotransmitters can be really helpful when it comes to establishing a nootropic stack. Yeah. I think also the last thing I'll say about the nootropics is I think, you know, if people aren't already dialed in on nutrition and exercising, I think the idea of like taking nootropics to counteract the effects of like a bad diet they talk about the workout community how you can't out train a bad diet right no. and it's like you can't you can't take nootropics to, to counteract the effects of living like a, uh, an unhealthy brain lifestyle yeah. so i think it, it can give you that extra maybe extra 10 or 20 percent boost but there's so many basics of people are asking about nootropics but they're not already dialed in on nutrition exercise I think that's always the place to start. Absolutely. I always say you can't supplement yourself out of poor lifestyle and, you know, the foundational pieces. And, you know, some of the best you could say nootropics out there are nature, are meditation, are yeah. breathing, right? Getting oxygenation, getting enough, you know, oxygen to the brain. So it's like, I, I love the idea of pushing everything to the limit. And even looking at things like NAD, methylene blue and looking what like frequencies photo activate that so it's more bioavailable right there are definitely frequencies for everything curcumin all these things that you could do with transcranial photobiomodulation iv laser laser therapy in general so much but if you don't have the foundational pieces none of that matters that much you know you're just playing catch up like so work on the foundations of yourself first understand it's the the you know kind of the heavy lifting pieces don't go into the gym and just try the isometric weird machine in the corner. Like just do like squats and bench press first, get that down and everything else beyond that will compound on top of it. So I appreciate that. And on top of that, of course, you need some help in personalization and that's where you come into play. So I know you got to run, but can you give uh, the audience just, you know, where they can find more about you, how they can connect with you? 
Yeah, it's in the best place. You know, shoot me a message on Instagram. I'd love to hear people's feedback on the episode. If you guys have any questions, comments, anything in the you know realm of nootropics, neurotechnologies, um, connect with me on Instagram at Neuroflex. Uh, you can also check out the website, www.neuroflex.tech. Um, but yeah, I'd love to talk to your audience in terms of, you know, incorporating, you know, everything that we've talked about. I think it can be overwhelming for people, you know, in the same way, if, if you're not at all, you know, eating healthy or going to the gym and then you just try to do a bunch of stuff, it can be challenging. So I think where I come into play is like being a, a brain trainer and helping curate a program where it actually I take people through, you know, working with starting off with a brain scan, getting a baseline, you know, and then being able to work with different neurotechnologies like neurofeedback. We talk about nutrition, supplementation, sleep hygiene, all this stuff, you know, and as we were saying before, I think really just amplifies the effects of everything else that you're doing. You know, I'm not in, in the business of, of doing a research study where I'm trying to isolate one variable, right? right. You know, I'm trying right. to stack together as many things as possible to be able to actually result in people having tangible improvements in their mental health and their brain performance. So that's something that you're interested in. Definitely shoot me a message on Instagram. Yeah. And it's incredible how your life improves when you have that mental clarity. When your brain is truly working at its optimal levels, everything else becomes a little bit easier. So I definitely recommend, you know, working with yourself and Neuroflex to anyone listening and and seeing, you know, what kind of improvements you can really get. Cause too many of us are walking around at like 50%, I feel like what we can be. And it's little things that'll get us up there and truly optimize one of the most important organs and most complex things in the known universe, our brain. So thank you so much for all your work. Thanks for coming on, Toby. Jasper, thank you for all your very great, insightful questions. And, and again, that, that intro was killer mill. So. I, I wish I had a great uh, outro for you, but I'm going to let the audience kind of go, let you go. Go check out neuroflex.tech for more information on Toby's work. And until next time, continue writing your own healing story.